Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I am Greg, you're the listeners, let's have some fun today. But before anything else, apparently, I need to finish my podcast from last week, so I don't know what happened. So apparently, uh, three minutes of the podcast got cut off last week, so just as I was finishing up the user question, uh, then... Just as I was finishing that up, I was talked about my game of the week. Apparently, it just cut off. I have no, I have no understanding why. Uh, the way that the upload works is I upload to SoundCloud, and then it SoundCloud kicks it off to all the different podcasting venues that we have. So I'm not quite sure why SoundCloud decided to cut it off three minutes early. Makes no sense. Uh, but you know, you, you deal with what you got. So the first thing we're going to talk about is our game of the week from last week, and then of course we have stories galore today, and we have. Uh, couple news stories I want to talk about. We also have uh, our game of the week for this week. Uh, And then I want to talk a little bit about the things I've picked up recently. Like I won't talk a lot about the games, but I want to talk about what's, I almost want to start talking a little bit about not just a game of the week to play, but also something like what I've picked up over the week. So like the collection, something about the collection, like what I've put in the collection this week. So the collection game of the week, and then we'll have the game to play of the week, which might end up just being the same one because I have a feeling after a while, I'm going to forget which ones I already did. And eventually I would like to think I'll keep doing this podcast and I'll no longer know which I'll have gone through all my games. Uh, so right now we're, we're still going through kind of the Genesis games, the game of the week, but, uh, so let's, let's begin with that. So first up last week's game of the week was true lies. Uh, for the sake of Genesis. So, like, I talked about this already, but nobody got to hear it because apparently SoundCloud decided to not finish uploading. And so, uh, True Lies for the Sega Genesis is really fun. Now, they did a Super Nintendo version as well. My understanding is that version's very well and good. Now, how I got this one, uh, I, I've told the story before, but I always keep forgetting that there's more and more games that I bought at that time. But when the PlayStation 1 had been out for a couple years, the Shopco where I grew up was clearancing out all their Sega Genesis games for $5 a piece. And I remember getting this game. I got True Lies. I got Phantom 2040. I got Fantasy Star 4. And I got Light Crusader. Uh, so, so really, really awesome pickups. Um, and uh, very, very good game. It's like a top-down game. It obviously follows the events of the movie. You know, really good. It's like that 16-bit pixel era, so it looks just looks really good. It's top-down, kind of like Mission Impossible for the NES, if you ever played that. And it just plays through the movie, but it was really good. Uh, so I do recommend this. I want to say complete. It probably runs around 20 to $30, somewhere in there. Loose cart's probably 10 to 15 if I had to guess. Uh, I haven't. We haven't had one in the store for a while. I actually got this at a store in... Um, Sheboygan, like a year ago, who had it grossly underpriced, which made my day. Uh, so yes, so there's that. Uh, so that was that was our cleanup from last week. So we got the cleanup from last week, and so this week we're gonna talk about a few things. Uh, I'm gonna start the show talking about uh, something I put in my collection recently, and then we'll talk about which I think I'll make our game of the week. I think like is that, does that make sense? Just just to like talk about one game, or should I have my my collection, my my collection edition of the week, and then my game to play of the week. How about my? Cl- we'll do that. We'll do we'll do it both. We'll, who, the hell of it. Who cares? <laughs> you know. And then one day I'm gonna say the same game over again. You guys probably aren't listening, so who cares anyway? <laughs> um. So okay. So games that went into the collection this week. We're not gonna talk about every game, or what is in every game, <clears throat> but we will talk about. Uh, just what I put in my collection. So this week, uh, I have to be honest, some heavy, heavy hitters went in the collection this week. Uh, 
Um, so first up, two NES games, Monster in My Pocket, which is a really good side scroll. I've actually been looking for that mint in the box for over a year for waiting for one to pop up on eBay. <clears throat> I got railed on the price. Uh, I was bidding with somebody who wanted it. Uh, so there was that one. And then the other NES game, I got another heavy hitter, Batman Return of the Joker for NES. Beautiful yellow box art with Joker's huge face on it. Awesome, awesome art. And a follow-up to a great Batman Sunsoft game. Uh, not as good as the original. The music's not as good, but it's still a good follow-up. It's not as hard, though, either, so it's kind of fun to play. So I got two NES games that were just monsters for the collection. Uh, and then moving on to uh, Sega Gen uh, Super Nintendo, I got a copy of Brandish, which is a, a Koei RPG. Um... I've been on a really big RPG kick lately. So like Super Nintendo, Mint and Box RPGs, I'm just going I'm going nuts on them. Um, Press Start and Ableton, actually. Zach hooked me up with some deals on these. That's why I have so many this week because I went there looking for one game and I think I walked out with three or four. Um, so Brandish. For Game Boy Advance, I got my Mint and Box copy of Final Fantasy IV. So this now completes my Final Fantasy collection on GBA. I have uh, one and two, which is Dawn of Souls, four, five, six. Uh, they never did 3, which is a really disappointment. Uh, they could have done a really cool translated version of 3. Now, the cool thing about these are these are the original like Super Famicom versions with some enhancements and obviously translations. So these are actually really cool. It's a good way to play the original Final Fantasy games uh, in their original form. On DS, they remade Final Fantasy 4, and they kind of added the 3D look to it, and I really don't like it. Uh, but these are, of course, timeless. So these are, these are beautiful, beautiful games. Uh, obviously, you know, Final Fantasy 4 is our Final Fantasy 2 in the United States, so if you didn't know that, just um, just something to do. Um, and then, uh, lastly, is the Sega Genesis pickups, which uh, one of them is a doozy. A doozy. Um, but first up, we have uh, Yeez 3. I, was, I don't know if this is pronounced Y's or Yeez. I think it's, I think it's Yeez. But it doesn't matter. It's a Y and an S. And, uh, yeah. And there's there's a whole bunch of them. I think they're up to Yeez 8 they just came out with on PS4 and Vita. The cool thing about this series that I always liked was, and, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't played through a lot of these yet. I have to play through this one yet. Is that you always play as the same character. And I thought that was really neat that like through eight games, especially RPGs and different types of games, you're always the same character. Now, I look in the back of this, and this straight up looks like a side-scrolling hack and slash, though. So how you go from turn-based RPGs to hack and slash, I don't know. In fact, uh, just on Sunday, I played Yeez Origins, which is like a, it's almost like a twin stick shooter kind of. Like you run around and you just have, I mean, I'm playing as the ranged guy, but it's an action RPG. It's actually pretty fun. But then the, the, the big hog that everyone's waiting to hear about, like the big fish. This is one that's been waiting to go in my collection for a very long time. Um, for Sega Genesis, Crusader of Senti. So I paid $425 for Crusader of Senti. So ouch. <laughs> that was a big one but this is a this is an excellent excellent game this is about as close to legend of zelda as you'll ever get on the sega genesis uh it's very very good uh, i have to play through all this is an atlas published action rpg crusader of senti i mean it's just i don't even know how to describe it other than it's just really rare and expensive it came only in the cardboard boxes so it's hard to find them in good condition so it's already a rare game and it's already uh in a, in a crappy box with the cardboard and again, I got this from Zach at Press Start. So if, you, if you've never been if you've been to my store, but you've never been to Zach's store in Appleton, definitely check it out. Press Start is awesome. Um, 
you know it's a good store if I'm shopping there <laughs> because I already have so much stuff at my store coming in that I could buy that if I go to his store and buy something, then you know, <laughs> then you know that it's really good. Um, so now I have to pick out a new game of the week. So I was, you know what? I, actually, I'm still going to talk about uh, Monsters in My Pocket because I actually really like this game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that too. So, you know, sometimes I buy games because they're rare and I want them. And sometimes I buy games because I had them when I was a kid. So uh, Monsters in My Pocket is one of those ones that I wanted because I played it recently and it's actually really, really good. So I got to play through that sometime uh, on that. But uh, so anyway, I'll do my game of the week at the end of the show. I'll have that set over here so I don't forget because I don't like to forget. Um, and so, uh, next up, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, my recent like game hunting score. So normally I do like a rummage sale story and I'll be honest, rummaging sucked this week. I, I was rummaging sucked last week. Uh, I went out on Friday and Saturday, Friday, all I found all morning, I, I went to maybe 30 rummage sales. I found a PS2 with like five or six games for five bucks. <laughs> and then now normally a PS2 at a rummage sale, unless I can test it on the spot, I won't buy because there's such a high chance of failure rate on those that you're, you're almost always going to lose your money. I think it was two years ago. I bought like in one day, I bought four PS2s. None of them worked. It was awful. It, it was just a bad time. So PS2s are on the, are on the, on the no, no list right now for buying, except if you get it for $5 and there were two controllers, the system, two controllers, memory card, and like five games. So e worst case, if I get one or two of the games working, I've got my money back. So that was a no lose situation. Thing was pretty haggard. It was a fat PS2, pretty dirty door was ripped off the front, but you know what? I'm stupid. I'll buy it. And guess what? It worked perfect. <laughs> it worked perfect. Cleaned it up, fired up right away. We even pulled an, a door off an old PS2 we had and, um, and, uh, we, uh, and we put it on this new one and it works great. Um, so rummaging kind of sucked. And then Saturday rummaging was even worse. Uh, I went to the Kakana citywide. Uh, the problem with Kakana though, is that they were doing it Friday as well. And I didn't know which ones were Friday and Saturday. And so unfortunately I went on Saturday and I'm sure a lot of it was already picked over. Uh, I started going through houses and there were a few, like I found a handful of Wii and PS2 games. I think I got them all for a buck a piece and they're all like, I would have paid someone a buck a piece to bring them into the store. So, I mean, it, you know, it basically the profit I make on that will pay for the gas I used to drive around Kakana <laughs> all Saturday morning. Um, and I gotta be honest, like Kakana smells bad. <laughs> if you're from this area, like that town smells bad and it didn't stop smelling bad the whole time I was there. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I know you get used to it eventually. I just don't know how long it takes and I don't want to know. I'm just going to stay away <laughs> unless I don't have to. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, rummaging was kind of bust. However, however, I had a great great day on Thursday. And now a lot of people don't realize that Thursdays actually isn't a bad day to go rummaging. In fact, Thursdays are a pretty good day to go rummaging, but I didn't go rummaging on Thursday. No, no. I need a nice quiet day to myself. I said, you know, I need to relax a little bit. I got, I'm, I'm burning the candle on both ends. I had a couple of big trade-ins coming recently, been working, doing a lot. And I've been, ha I've been, I've been unable to relax on my days off because I feel like if I'm not moving in 110%, then I'm not moving at all. And so I told myself that nah, Thursday's gonna be a nice relaxing day. But then I kept getting all these, um, and actually Thursday I had to meet, I had a, a meeting with my, uh, with a lawyer, um, about an exciting prospect that's coming up. Uh, I'm investing in another game store that's going to be opening in Oshkosh soon. I'll have some more details on that in the future, but, um, you know, so, so anyway, we're helping kickstart another game store in the area. Um, so I just thought we, 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 uh, sit down with our lawyer about that. Um, 
And so that was at four o'clock. So I said, okay, well, I can relax until then. And uh, for like the five or six days previous, everyone kept coming up to me and saying, and getting and messaging me and, and texting me and calling me and be like, Hey, family video on main street in uh, green Bay is closing. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, oh, they're selling all their racks and stuff. If you need any racks, I'm like, yeah, I don't really need any racks. Like, all their games are on sale. I'm like, eh, have you ever been to Family Video? I mean, their game sales aren't usually that great. Like, it's typically they'll sell a $10 game for $5.99 or a $15 game for $7.99. It's like, eh, I just didn't feel like it. I told myself Greggy was going to have a nice, relaxing day. So I get a call Wednesday night, though, from a regular Paul. Um, and he's like, hey, I just saw Family Video. You probably want to come check them out. You know, I bought a couple of games and it was a really good deal. I'm like, eh, okay, I guess, you know, I should at least check it out. I'm off Thursday. Just go in when they open at 10 o'clock. And yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll check it out. So I get over there at like 10, 15. They don't open yet. They have new hours. It's 12 to eight. I don't feel like driving all the way back home and then driving back later. So I kind of dink around town a little bit. I go to the shop called it's closing. They don't have anything reasonably priced. And then I go to the like the East Town Mall. There's a consignment store there. I look at some of the stuff they have there, looking for some maybe some treasures. I mean, they got nothing there. There's a fast and easy pawn on that side of town. I go to that, look, and maybe they got some games. Nothing there. I, man, it was just a waste. And it's still like at that point, it's like 11:30. So I'm sitting in the parking lot of Family Video for a half hour waiting for them to open. They finally open. I get in there, and I felt so bad because there's just one nice lady working behind the counter. And that's it because they're on bare bones hours. They're closing. And after that, I think it was like five days later they were closing or something because they closed today and it was last Thursday. So, yeah, like five days later they were going to be closing. So I walk into the back to the game section and I see the same thing I always see. You know, this game, buy it, use 20 bucks. It's like a 25 or $30 game. Eh. It's like, oh, this game's $8. That's eh, like a 10 or $15 game. Eh. I mean, there's just nothing there, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's a disappointment. Like there's a lot of games I would buy. Uh, but, you know, I'm just really disappointed. It's whatever. And then I walk out and I'm kind of walking through the movies a little bit. I'm like, eh, eh, yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden I see a sign that is not in the game section, mind you, but there's a sign in the movie section that says final clearance prices. All 1999 games are $5 each or five for 20. You're like, wait, what? So they can be as cheap as $4 a piece, these $20 games. Now we're talking. All 7.99 games, I believe, were 3.50 or three for 10, which isn't much of a deal to buy three, but or four. It might have been four for 10. I don't know. But anyway, so like the discounts were like 50 to 75 percent off of what the sticker said. I was like, whoa, this is a game changer. So then I start looking through the PS4 section, and I basically bought, if I had to guess, I bought 75 percent of each section. 75 percent of the PS4 games there, 75 percent of the Xbox One games. I left the sports games obviously, and. Uh, you know, like anything that, that we had a lot of copies of or that would suck. So I ended up buying 99 games. It took the poor lady behind the counter two hours to process it all and to rig me up. I felt terrible, but I kept letting the customers behind me go. I was like, no, you guys go ahead. Like, cause a lot of people came up with like four or five movies they wanted to buy. And I was like, please go ahead, go ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait. No big deal. And it was funny because I was talking to the store manager there. Who's going to be taking over a different store. And he's like, yeah, I'm a little, you know, PO'd at my district manager. And I'm like, oh, you know, is that because he didn't didn't staff the store properly for this? And he goes, well, no. He said, uh, normally we don't do this final, final clearance. It wasn't supposed to start until Saturday. And he said, but my boss came in yesterday, which was Wednesday, and put up all the signs yesterday. And he said that he wasn't staffed for that. They basically only had single coverage almost all day because they weren't expecting it. 
And so that's why it was such a pain. That's why. And because he knew that once you put up the final clearance signs, the people buying stuff at that point are buying like everything. They're going to come in and buy 20 or 30 or 99 items at once um, because why not? I mean, because that's such a good deal that you're going to get people coming in for the bulk. You're getting all the resellers coming in. You're getting the, the final clearance people coming in, um, present company included. And so, yeah, uh, so I bought 99 games. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just great. It was nice to get some of these games. You know, after our last sale, our PS one, our PS4 and Xbox one, uh, sections were completely decimated. So I needed to restock on those. And I was very, very happy with the turnaround in that. So while rummaging was a complete bust family video closing was an incredible find. Like that was my find of the month probably. Um, and so like, I, I'm always torn about talking numbers because I, I, I always worried that someone's going to hear this and go, man, that's really crappy of you to buy all those because a customer could have bought all those. And now you're just going to buy them and then mark them up and resell them for full price in your store. And so like, I don't want to make anybody mad. And so I don't know if I should talk about prices. Should I, should I, I mean, I know you can't respond now and you're listening to this podcast probably going, just talk about the price, Greg, who cares? And I guess all I can really say to that is, is I, uh, I mean, it's not that I don't care. In fact, there was somebody in line who was like, oh, is that that game? And, and, and I had like two copies of, I think it was like Call of Duty World War II or something. And he's like, he's like, oh, are you buying both those? And I'm like, oh, did you want one? And I actually gave him a copy. I was like, well, here, you take one. I'm, I'm just buying these to resell them. I was really honest with people about it. I was like, I'm just buying these to resell them. So if you want one to g genuinely have, you can have it. And I gave him that game. And I think he picked out one more other one out of the stack. And I was like, cool. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not like some sleazy businessman, but I also, I have to keep my business going and, and that's really hard to do. Um, so part of that is always finding the best deals you can find, uh, and, and maximizing your ability to make money. And, and, and I, and I, and so that's why I'm always torn on prices, but I will mention it this time. And if I get a whole bunch of blowback, I'll never do it again. And if I hear a whole bunch of people call me a sleazy scumbag reseller, then I'll probably never tell these stories again. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I feel like it's something we could talk about, you know? Uh, in fact, I'm going to be on a podcast, I think later this week, I think Friday night, probably, uh, with another game store owner from Ohio. And I want to talk to him a little bit about, we're going to share some war stories, but we both feel the kind of same way about this. Like there's this weird meme and this weird kind of cultural, like scumbag seller mantra going around where it's like, if you resell stuff for money, you're a scumbag or something. And it's like, well, Okay. But a lot of the people that say that are people that resell stuff themselves and are oftentimes just like jealous that they didn't get the scoop. Right. So it, whatever, I don't know. I, I, I so if, if that's how you feel that I'm sorry, I guess I am a scumbag reseller to you, but at least I own a business and I work really hard and I pay a bunch of taxes. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it okay. Um, but, uh, so I paid a total of $360 for the 99 games I bought. So obviously averages out to about 360 bucks or $3.60 a game. Um, my, my projected retail cost to sell those for is around $1,800. <laughs> so I, I don't feel bad about doing what, what's right. Um, for my business and trying to try to make some money. Uh, but that's what I did. So I, hopefully I'll turn that 360 into 1800. And, and that's just, uh, Whew, that's what we call in the business is a good flip. That's a good flip. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I hope no one gets mad at that. I really, I don't know what to expect because I'm always so nervous about, you know, getting a little personal with here. I'm always a little nervous that people will take offense to the things I say and hurt the business. Like, I don't care necessarily if you attack me personally, I guess. Like if someone said, you know, 
Greg, you're a piece of garbage. I, well, that would hurt my feelings. I won't lie. <laughs> but, um, but like what I'm more worried about is that somebody would go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go post negative reviews or I'm going to, you know, make up lies about a store on Google and Twitter and Yelp and stuff like that. And I think that's more my concern. It's always been my concern with attaching my store, my business to my online persona. And I just hope that uh, that never happens, I guess. And it's not it's not really a reason why I choose to stay pretty non-controversial on things I talk about. But it, it it's a part of it. Like, I'm always thinking about that. Like, there's certain topics I can't talk about or wouldn't talk about because I'm worried about the image of the store, which is unfortunate. But that is my main job. And that's my main passion. And as much as I love this podcast and I love sharing stories with all of you, um, this pays me literally no money. So I have to I have to make sure I protect the business that pays me money so I can keep doing this for everyone else. Uh, but that was my that was my rummaging story of the week. Uh, I should have one every week. At least I'll be able to update on rummaging. I can't really say that I'll have great stories. But uh, the family video score was was one for the ages. I mean, it's it's just a really good get. It it also reminds me of when Walmart a couple years ago did this mega clearancing out where all of their like all of their delisted PS4 games, so games that basically weren't being produced anymore, uh, or you know made new and and in the warehouse, they were selling them for three to five dollars. And and I I got so many like twenty to thirty dollar brand new games for three dollars. It was insane. I went back I think three or four times. I probably spent twelve hundred dollars on that for god knows how much five to ten thousand dollars worth of product i mean it was just unbelievable so you know every couple years you get lucky with something like that uh and and that's all you can really do uh but anyway uh so that's my rummaging story of the week anyway we had a great a bad rummaging week but a great week with family video so the first story i want to talk about on the podcast today though is that playstation has set up a new film and tv division now it's not Sony setting up a new film and TV division, but specifically the PlayStation brand. So Sony Interactive's new PlayStation Productions will produce movies and series based on their video games. This is fantastic news. I love this. I absolutely love this. So I'm going to continue on the story. This is on Polygon. This is from yesterday. Sony's PlayStation division, Sony Interactive Entertainment, is bolstering efforts to bring a video game proper to bring its video game properties to film and television with a new enterprise called PlayStation Productions. According to an interview with PlayStation Productions leads in the Hollywood Reporter, the new PlayStation division wants to quote give our world's life in another spectrum end quote. Um, PlayStation Productions is being led by Assad Kizilbash. Uh, an 11-year veteran of Sony's PlayStation Marketing Group and overseen by Sean Layden, chairman of SIE Worldwide Studios. So the only thing I'm a little nervous about initially with this is that they've got Sony marketing people in charge of this, like like PlayStation marketing people. Not that that could be a bad thing because hopefully they'll have respect for the source material, but also like making things in the video game medium is very different than making things in the TV and movie medium. So there's like a genuine... Um, there's like a, I don't know, a genuineness to movies sometimes that doesn't look good. Like for instance, Sony's did uh, with their streaming service, they had that um, Powers TV show. And I actually liked that. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was a good show, but it felt a little cheesy and hokey. They didn't have the same like level of special effects. And so it almost felt like a web series like it was. Uh, so I'm worried that without the Hollywood influence that they won't have that kind of level of quality, but that's not fair to say. I mean, they might. And so that's my only initial worry when I hear who, in, who is in charge of it. Um, they go on to say, uh, Sony picture, Sony picture studios will handle distribution of Sony productions, film and TV projects. 
um, which uh, Q and Layden hope will give the PlayStation team time to find the right mediums and creative teams for its projects. In all, PlayStation Productions says it's more than 100 game titles to choose from, but did not specify which properties it's developing movies or TV shows around. Layden told The Hollywood Reporter the team has, quote, looked at what Marvel has done in taking the world of comic books and making it into the biggest thing in the film world, but uh, end quote, but did not commit to pursuing such an ambitious crossover cinematic universe. Sony has pursued a small number of projects based on PlayStation properties. Insomniac Games' Ratchet & Clank was adapted into an animated feature film in 2016, and the Uncharted franchise has flirted with film with no success for close to a decade, which is true. Most recently, Tom Holland signed on to be a young Nathan Drake. Uh, Sony even attempted to make, and I didn't remember this, a Gran Turismo movie, <laughs> a project which has seemingly stalled. Uh, could you imagine a more boring movie in the entire planet besides Gran Turismo? <laughs> Unless it was like Gran Torino. <laughs> this, this sounds terrible. Um, PlayStation's competitors are also working hard to bring their game properties to the big screen. Microsoft and its game studios have teamed up with Universal to adapt Gears of War, with Warner Brothers to adapt Minecraft, and with Showtime for a Halo TV series. Nintendo is similarly working with Illumination Entertainment on an animated Mario movie. So that's the end of the article, and I thought that was really interesting, and I think it's really smart. First reason it's really smart is because... As we know from all past experience, Hollywood doesn't typically care much for these properties. They care about making money as quickly as possible. So they don't care necessarily about being honest with the source material. They care about making what they think will hit the mass markets. Not that that's a bad idea for them as movie filmmakers, but for us as, as game-loving movie film watchers, <laughs> we, we, we don't want that. We don't want that crap. Um, in fact, there's a new Mortal Kombat movie, I believe they announced recently it's being made. So we, we, we just want good stuff. We just want good movies and TV series based on this. Now in this day and age of streaming services, it seems like companies are more willing to take a risk on something a little low, more low budget, but it can still be really good. And so I would love to see some of the stuff set up as a TV series. Um, if you're going to do something like Uncharted, Uncharted can make an amazing TV series. It really could. It's 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 kind of like a almost like a weekly, you know, like monster of the week, those type of shows, except you'd have like a treasure of the week. Like what's Nathan Drake searching for this week? You know, and then the whole time it's building up to something big. Uh, and I think that'd be really great. Uh, so I'm going to talk. That's the second half of the story. Then is I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'd like to see from the Sony properties. So obviously a big one I'd love to see made into a movie. The Last of Us. I think Last of Us is a very good contained story. Obviously, the sequel's coming out, but the first one is this excellent story wrapped around. Uh, I would love to see a Last of Us movie. But again, a lot of these things could be limited run series, too. Like, why not do a, a, a four-part miniseries of like an hour, hour and a half each? And that way you don't have to have the same production values as a movie, but you could still tell the story in the amount of time you want to tell it. So, very interested. Last of Us definitely needs to be done uncharted would be very good god of war um again god of war though doesn't seem to me like something you could do as a ever like a weekly show with multiple seasons it just seems like it needs to have a, a beginning and an end even if you just did the we'll call it the the athens arc you know do 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 that um do the greek arc where you just go through like two or three movies of him becoming the god of war defeating Ares. Then, you know, chasing after Zeus and unfortunately the end of three opening Pandora's box. 
<laughs> just being the whole thing being kind of stupid. The ending of that game was kind of stupid. Uh, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, and so God of War, I mean, another incredible property. Imagine a Jack and Daxter animated movie, right? And now I know that most of what I've talked about right now is just been uh, <laughs> Naughty Dog, uh, Naughty Dog stuff. But they make their games in such a way where that makes sense. Imagine Sony, and, and not that it's exclusive anymore, but it wasn't exclusive for a little bit, and it was kind of part of the brand. But imagine, you know, Sony being able to make the Metal Gear movie we've all been wanting for so long. Uh, I don't even know who owns the, the rights to that anymore. But Jordan Roberts, I believe, is still uh, submitted a script for approval, and if that got approval, they could begin filming. So, you know, fingers crossed on that. Um, so, I mean, look at some of that stuff. Jack and Dexter, Sly Cooper, which I thought actually was being made into a cartoon show, actually. Um, Infamous. Infamous could be a great TV show about, like, like this post-apocalyptic world and this good guy. I mean, you could, I could see that. I could see Infamous being a great show. Um, Sony technically has the movie rights to Spider-Man, even though they signed off to let uh, Spider-Man be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Imagine, and, and Sony Pictures did the, uh, Sony Animated Films did the incredible Into the Spider-Verse. So you could do a, you could do a Spider-Man animated. Um, I'm not sure how it works. They probably can't do any live Spider-Man with the deal they signed, but they could certainly do animated Spider-Man. Be awesome. And, and I know they're working on Spider-Verse 2 already, so that's great news. Uh, so I'll be very excited for that. Uh, man, what other Sony properties? Um, I mean, there's just there are a ton to choose from. Um, but Sony also has like a Sony movie studio right like a production company so you could see them just signing other video game companies what if they did a bioshock movie and sony got behind that under the you know playstation productions even though it's been on xbox who cares you know it'd be really cool to see it um my goodness what i i'm, I'm missing so many what what else could there be um, oh, horizon zero dawn uh that that could be a really cool like uh movie or or, or limited series uh then you've got stuff like um until Dawn, make a horror movie. I mean, that'd be awesome. You could you could even do something almost like a Until Dawn could be like a Tales from the Crypt kind of, you know, every week it's a different story, you know, and just use the, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It, there's so many things, so many possibilities. The possibilities are endless, but very cool. Uh, and, and so I like the idea, though, that Sony's being proactive and saying, look, our properties are worth more to us to keep them in-house. So let's 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 push away the nonsense. Let's not try to sell us to Hollywood and then live by their rules. We'll make this for us. And this, this goes along with the story we'll be talking about a little bit later, which is Sony and Microsoft coming together to work on a project to collaborate, uh, and to pool resources. And so you can see something like that too. Maybe this is part of one of Sony wanting to have their own streaming service. Well, what's one way to boost your ability of your streaming services to have exclusive properties? Well, what does Sony have that they have exclusive rights to all their video game rights? You know, all their video game properties. Makes sense to me. Uh, Days Gone. Turn into a Walking Dead style show. Days Gone. You could even get the guy who played Deacon, the uh, butt chin guy, the guy f the, from Star Wars The uh, uh, Force Unleashed. Forget his name. I call him butt chin. He's a huge cleft right here. And because I'm so attractive, I'm allowed to make fun of people's physical features. <laughs> hey, he's he's a hunk, okay? If you can't tear down beautiful people, then what's the point of living? Uh, but I digress. So, yeah, very cool. PlayStation Division setting up, or PlayStation Productions, a new movies and series division based on the games uh, that Sony publishes. Excellent. Love it. Very happy to hear it. 
So the next story we're going to talk about on the podcast today, uh, I'm on Eurogamer about this one, but uh, so it was about Epic, the Epic Store. Um, no, uh, no stranger to controversy <laughs> is putting it lightly, uh, but the Epic uh, Game Store had its first major sale. So they decided to do like a, a site-wide, like, here, here you go, y'all. We're doing this crazy sale. Here's what's happening. And they do. And what, what I believe what the sale was, was it was $10 off. It was $10 off any game over $15 or $15 and over. So a $15 game is only 5 bucks. $20 game is only $10. $60 game is only 50 It's a really good deal, to be quite honest. Um, and... So, okay, there's a lot to unwrap here. There's some good and some bad, so let me get to it. So, that's a good sale. Uh, I personally bought Hades, uh, which is Supergiant Games' latest. It's in early access. I got it for $6.99. got it for $7. Uh, but here's that's not the story. Greggy getting a good deal on digital games is not the story, but the story is that there was some weird stuff going on during the sale. So, first of all, what happened was the $10 would come off first, and if a company was already doing a discount... It was doubling that, or it was doubling up on the discount. So, for instance, the reason I got Hades for six ninety nine was, the game was twenty bucks. They had their twenty. They originally, I I want to say it was twenty dollars, and they were offering twenty five percent off. So it was supposed to be fifteen. But then what happened was Epic did the ten dollars off first, so it went from twenty to ten dollars. Then the twenty five percent still came off, resulting in me getting the game for six ninety nine or whatever, and so there was obviously some concern there. So there was some really weird things happening because the Epic store must allow you to update your store page in like real time because very quickly, a lot of companies pulled their games from the sale. They pulled them right off the store. Some huge games too: borderlands three, uh, vampire, the masquerade bloodlines two. I mean, these were games that are, that were pre-orders that, uh, that got pulled because they were $10 off. And so a lot of the times when steam, you know, the way steam works, for instance, is when you have a sale, if you put your game on sale, you still only get a portion of the amount that that sells for. But what Epic was doing here was they were they were taking the hit on the $10. They weren't applying it to the publishers and developers, which is actually really cool of them. So they said, hey, we'll do $10 off everything, but we'll, we'll hit the tab. We're just trying to have this big sale go off with a bang. Clearly, they must not have uh, showed that. Uh, to the developers and publishers ahead of time so the sale wouldn't leak because I assume that the reason those games got pulled was because, well, probably two reasons. One, uh, they probably thought they weren't getting that $10. And so you think like, well, hey, my game's not even out yet and I'm already out of it, have it on sale. I don't like that. Uh, so I could see where if they thought they were going to lose money, they would pull it. But two, there's also something in the marketing about when a game goes on sale before it's even out, that you will have people that'll say, you know what, I could have got this game for 50 bucks a couple months ago. I'll wait till it goes on sale again. And so there's a little bit of that. So it is possible, one, that they didn't want to kill the pricing that they have set for when the game does launch and for the current pre-order systems. Um, it also could be that if they're pre-order on their own stores away from Epic Store, that maybe, or in other places, they didn't want to have to deal with the fallout of well, why is it cheaper on this store, not on that store? Stuff like that. So there's a couple different things that could have happened, but it, it was it was funny because um, uh, they talk a little bit about the Hades issue. One of the tweets I can't find it here, but one of the tweets basically said that you know they were they wanted to support. I was I want to say it was the developer of this John Wick hex game, and and they said something like, "Hey, we we want to support you, but should we not buy the game on sale if you're going to lose some of the money?" And he came. He was one who revealed that Epic was picking up the tab on this sale. And that's really cool of them to do. 
Um, and it's obviously very developer friendly. That seems to be like the, the, uh, the flavor of the week is developer friendly. <laughs> Everything Epic does is developer friendly. <laughs> and look, look at us. We're Epic. We can't do anything wrong because we love devs. Love us, please. Um, and, uh, so, uh, there were some, uh, uh, like Kotaku reached out to Paradox Interactive. Uh, so, uh, this was for the game, uh, Vampire the Masquerade 2. So, quote, if a developer or publisher chooses to not participate in our sales, we will honor that decision, end quote, which is what Epic told Kotaku via email. Uh, quote, Paradox Interactive has chosen to not participate in the Epic Mega Sale, and the game has been temporarily removed from sale. If you've purchased Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 during the period when the discount did apply at the time of checkout, Epic will honor that price, end quote. So they were just saying that some developers decided not to do it, which is their right, but I also think it's kind of strange. Like, I think it was short-sighted by the developers uh, and the publishers because I have a feeling that they thought they were eating that price. And obviously, I'm sure Epic went through the whole thing and cleared it all up after the fact, but once you pull it, you're not going to really put it back up and then put it back on sale doesn't really work that way um not that you couldn't but it you know you don't it looked it looked confusing and so this obviously was an issue um we also had a sci-fi survival game oxygen not included uh that just got completely pulled down off the store um so and then this is the description yeah meanwhile roguelike title hades made a series of bizarre changes to its pricing during the course of the sale so this is a little complicated so bear with me after initially being listed at the incorrect price of $6.99, developer Supergiant increased not only the sale price, which was $14.99 US dollars, but also the base price from $19.99 to $24.99. <laughs> According to a comment on Discord, this was because of continued improvements and additions made to early access version, despite Supergiant yesterday stating it would announce a price increase like this well in advance. So my guess is that Supergiant tried to get ahead of it and said, look, we'll up the price to 25 now because then if it's $10 off and 25% off, it's not as much of a hit. But then it just really confused everything. So this is what they said. Uh, Greg uh, said this from Supergiant. Hey again, everyone. Earlier today, Hades became available at a significant discount as part of the Epic Mega Sale on Epic's Game Store. We communicated poorly in the hours that followed and want to clear things up. The retail price of Hades is now back to $19.99, our original launch price. With the Epic discount, you can get the game for $10 off that price right now through the end of the sale on June 13th. After the sale is over on June 14th, we will be raising the game's retail price to $24.99. We had intended to raise the retail price of the game soon, but made the decision rashly as part of the sale. We didn't provide advance notice to our customers, despite previously stating that we would do so. That was our mistake, and we sincerely apologize. To all of our players, thank you for your patience and understanding around this. So that's very cool. So they admit what they did. They said, hey, look, when the sale hit, we, we hastily were like, let's just up the price and be done with it. And they may realize that was a mistake and they admitted to such. Look at that. A developer taking responsibility and apologizing. Um, so, yes. So, um, that unfortunately is not the only issue with the Epic Store uh, as we're about to get done. So, anyway, this is kind of a mess. And growing pains, yes. But when when you are a big company and you've seen another big company like Valve do sales like this with Steam, like I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of you can't really blame this on that you know what it takes to be successful at a sale but my issue so far with the epic store more than anything is there's no shopping cart <laughs> now most people probably buy one game at a time maybe is that even a thing i don't think so i don't know i don't i typically go through pull all the games i want put them in a cart buy everything at once that's how steam works and i like that very much 
and I'm not a I'm not like a pro Steam guy. Like I'm not an anti Epic Store guy. In fact, I I feel like a lot of the vitriol towards the Epic Store and a lot of the the failures that people call them out on were things that Steam didn't do the first day either. You know, they they roll these things out over time. They don't like like Steam didn't come out and have every awesome feature you love on the first day. So I'm not really like an Epic hater. Not an epic lover, um, unless he has my wife. Uh, I'm not a lover of epic games, <laughs> but I, I don't think they deserve all the crap they've been getting. This though, like they deserve all the crap in the world that I'm about to give them for not having a shopping cart. So you buy one game at a time, okay, no problem. But but I but you don't know that. So I, I go to buy a game and it's, it brings a little side screen and the main thing. You know, you're like, okay, so I want to. It's in my cart, right? So, like, you don't know this. So, you're just like, okay, so you back out. You put another game. And you go to buy that. And it's, like, one game at this price. Like, well, what happened to the other game? I, I already I want to buy that, too. No, you literally have to buy every game by itself, which also is kind of stupid because if you're paying with PayPal, that's more fees that Epic's incurring by doing so. I don't know. doesn't make sense to me, but fine. Um, and so, whatever. Uh, you're fine, Epic. Do whatever you want. It <laughs> doesn't matter. We're Don't listen to me. I'm a nobody. What do I know? Um, but also besides that, there was this weird story that, uh, oops, I don't want to bring that up. Um, there's this weird story that people were getting banned from the Epic store for buying too many games. Now they weren't being banned for buying too many games. It was probably some sort of auto security trigger of this person bought a lot of games very quickly. We should shut the account down, make sure it's not hacked or modded or something like that. Like that, that realistically is what happened. But it's still unbelievable because, like, I think the message I saw on Twitter was someone straight up said, you've been banned for buying in excessive buying of games or something. And so you look at that on the surface and you just think to yourself, this is immensely stupid uh, on so many levels. But, I, you know, again, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no shopping cart. And apparently you get banned if you buy too many of their games. So it's, it is a hell of a sale. But don't buy too much. You buy too many games, I'm going to kick your ass out of here. I'm going to take you home. Uh, so yeah, Epic game stores, first big sale struggling a little bit, but some good deals. Uh, I've actually thought about picking up. I actually meant to get bloodlines cause I really do want to play that. And I was gonna like, eh, 10 bucks off. I might do that. And then it was gone, <laughs> but I did pick up Hades, which I have not played yet, but I've wanted to since it came out and getting it for seven bucks. That's a, that's, that's a price I can live with. Um, so yeah, Epic game store. Hopefully they, they work out some of these bugs cause they're going to have some, whew, they got some stuff to work on in the future. All right. So next on the podcast today, we're going to talk about Microsoft. And so this is actually huge. I don't know. what Did you see that soft open? Today we're going to talk about, today we're going to talk about Microsoft and Sony teaming up. So you got Microsoft and Sony are teaming up for the future of gaming. It's all about Xbox and PlayStation beating Amazon and Google. That's the headline and the subline. Uh, no. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> sorry. No. <laughs> that's not what this is sorry the verge um sorry tom warren <clears throat> um not that it won't um right so first thing i have to clarify right it's microsoft and sony teaming up that does not mean the xbox division and the playstation division are teaming up but let's go through the story and we're going to talk about some of the stuff so here's the story the, again this is uh this was yesterday tom warren uh theverge.com microsoft and sony unveiled a surprising partnership 
last week that will see the companies collaborate to develop future cloud solutions for game and content streaming services. While both companies have spent more than 15 years battling it out over PlayStation and Xbox sales, Sony's now looking to Microsoft's vast cloud experience to help power its existing and future streaming services, and Microsoft is teaming with a rival to fend off a larger gaming threats. Uh, wow, that's really, really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so yes, Microsoft and Sony currently are exploring a partnership, what they could do in the future. Now, was this announcement or was this sparked by Google Stadia? Maybe. I think stuff like this already has to be in the works. They said talks began last year. So if talks began last year, this isn't something that they just were like, oh crap, Studio got Stadia got announced. Uh what let's get together quick. It's not like that. They've been talking about this for a while. And so there, I want to talk a little bit about the news side of this. Then I want to talk about kind of the irrational expectations I think that people already have. And then we'll, we'll go into the possibilities as well. Um, so the article goes on to say it was a big surprise for both Xbox and PlayStation. Bloomberg reports that the agreement even shocked Sony's own PlayStation team, which apparently wasn't made aware of the discussions. That's not good, Sony. <laughs> Tell your PlayStation division, please. <laughs> Talks between the firms had been ongoing since last year, and Sony has started to show it's open to work with Microsoft and others. The announcement seems to have been prompted by one thing in particular, Google's reveal of the Stadia cloud streaming service. Google is planning to leverage its hugely popular YouTube platform to let people click and instantly play games in their browsers or in their phones. This ease of use in Google's web dominance has clearly unnerved both Microsoft and Sony. I don't believe that. I, 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 I'm sorry. Like articles like this are kind of uh, blowing stuff out of proportion. This isn't like those two companies, Microsoft specifically, they're not very reactionary that way. They're, they didn't see a Google Stadia announcement. Like they weren't in a boardroom watching this live stadium announcement and they looked at each other and went, Oh no, what are we going to do? And it's like, pick up the phone, the big red phone that the president has, get me Sony on the phone. <laughs> so stupid. Um, th this sort of like, like journalism's like really pisses me off because it's, it's just, this is business. This is business, right? Why can't we talk about it from a business perspective? So the article anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting distracted because I hate articles like this, but we go on while Sony has offered to, has offered its own PlayStation Now streaming service for years. It hasn't dramatically changed since launch. Uh, that's not true. Sony still makes most of its PlayStation revenue through game sales to console owners, and that business looks increasingly under threat. Eh. Uh, if the future of gaming is cloud-powered, then the infrastructure and content will be key. I agree with that. And so Sony is a forward-thinking company. You know, I, and I've said this before. My guess is that the PlayStation 5 is going to follow the course. You know, like they set a course with the PlayStation 4, make a good gaming console, not too crazy priced, powerful, give it um, social social features, and make it the best place to play games on. And you'll win. I think they're going to do that. They've already stated that it's going to play physical media still, and it'll be fully backwards compatible with the PlayStation 4. Awesome. All awesome news so far. But they also understand that after this generation, most likely, they will have to change. And you don't change like this drastically, right? You don't go from PS4 being disc-based to PS5 not having discs. You have to ease your customers into that over time. So now the PlayStation 5, if they start offering a legitimate streaming service with, say, their whole back catalog of PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4 games, and they slowly wean people off of buying games, similar to what Microsoft's doing with the Game Pass, very similar to that idea, so you ease people off with that. And then eventually you make that transition to, okay, well now our next system in eight years or nine years, this is all we got. We have our streaming service. You can buy the box for just a hundred bucks 
and then you stream all the games you want for paying just $15 a month. And that's how they shift. You don't just all of a sudden one day go, hey, PlayStation 5, we don't play games anymore. <laughs> because if you remember, that's kind of what Microsoft did with the Xbox One. Hey, you know how you've been playing Xbox console games since it came out in 2001? Well, screw you. No more used games. <laughs> and you have to always be connected to the internet. And so they tried that. And that blew up spectacularly in their face. And it caused a ripple that caused them to struggle this entire generation um, in sales against the PlayStation 4. And it also gave Sony the confidence they needed when Microsoft came out first with that announcement. It gave Sony the confidence to know not to do anything like that. At least not right away. So... When you see an article like this, um, your first thought is, okay, the family's sitting around the radio. You're all sitting around your radio right now. Your wife's knitting you a, a new pair of socks. Your daughter's braiding her Barbie's hair. Your son's playing with his metal toy trucks, banging them against on the carpet next to the fireside. And you've just sat down with your newspaper and a glass of scotch. And you're sitting there listening around the, around the tube. You're listening to Greg on Game Talk Radio. You're listening to Game Talk. And you say, Greg, how is it possible? You look at your wife and you say, how is it possible that these two big competitors, they've been ri fierce rivals since 2001. How can these two companies come together? That's like Ford and Chevy coming together to work together on their automobiles. Honey, how is this possible? I don't believe it. I don't believe what this man on the radio is saying. But <laughs> I hate to tell you this. <laughs> Ford and Chevy have worked together. <laughs> so Ford and GMC, um, more accurately, recently came to a deal to make uh, transmissions for each other. Because it happens. Because it's business. And it's so frustrating to me when there's this, this personal element that everybody takes in, in the business talk, right? There's this weird... There's this weird... Um, it's a battle, and my side's right and your side's wrong. Everything has to be, and it's one of the best marketing schemes of all time. Don't get me wrong, but you put your customers against each other. It's a, it's a battle. Brand loyalties. You know, you make you, you make them invest in the brand so much so that they fight your battles for you. What's better marketing than having somebody who drives a Chevy tell everybody else to buy a Chevy? Word of mouth is the best marketing you can do. And, and not only that, but to tell people that Ford sucks ass. <laughs> I remember riding the school bus and we legitimately had these conversations. Ford rules. Chevy sucks. Who's Dodge? <laughs> Dodge trucks are stupid. Chevy kicks butt. Ford's are Ford's rust faster. <laughs> Chevy Chevy's got more power. I'd run you off a road in my all-wheel drive. <laughs> these are these are legitimate conversations as a child on the school bus I had. Middle school, middle school, early high school. So probably what twelve to fourteen or twelve to sixteen years of age. Um, <laughs> so. So I understand it. It's it's as old as it's as old as time marketing scheme. It's fine. In fact, there's oftentimes companies that own two companies and pit them against each other. Because why not? You know, the the, the feud almost makes people want your product more. It's crazy. It's so stupid. But as you know, as humans, we're very uh, we're very um, manipulate easily manipulated creatures, <laughs> and uh, some more so than others. And so then you ask yourself, well, how, how is this even possible? You have these two gaming tech giant behemoths who've been slugging it out for years. How do they even sit down? Because these people all know each other. The CEO of Microsoft and the CEO of Sony can call each other and be like, hey, we're both super rich people. 
<laughs> we can call each other on the phone. Um, the, the whole console wars and all that stuff, that's just marketing stuff. And while it's funny sometimes, it's kind of stupid at, at the same time. Like to be brand loyal is one of the dumbest things, I think, um, one of the smartest marketing techniques and one of the dumbest things we can fall for as consumers. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a preference. I very clearly have a preference. My gaming experience ever since having a PlayStation console has been, I prefer the gaming experience that Sony gives me. But if tomorrow Microsoft came out and launched this line of amazing games I had to play, I'd be playing them. <laughs> and if I could only get them on the Xbox, I would buy the Xbox and I would have that. I mean, I have an Xbox too. And that's the thing. I have every console. I buy every console because I'm about the games. And I know that every console is going to have a must-have game that's not available somewhere else. Microsoft, unfortunately, with the PC side of it, I, that may change, but that's how it was for a long time. And really, I played a lot of great games on my Xbox One. But I look over at my collection which I know you can't see. And I've got 20 Xbox One games, maybe 15 to 20. And PS4, I think I broke 300. <laughs> I mean, it's just, now again, I choose to buy my multi-plats on PS4, so that's part of it too. But that's again, that's because that's my preferred system. So I want the multi-plats on my preferred system. Plus I like the friends list I've built on PS4 and I like the interface much better. I could I could make a whole podcast about my hatred for the Xbox One interface and how slow and sluggish it is, even on the Xbox One X. But I'm not going there today. I'm not here to talk about that. And and, and even the same thing, like, uh, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but a, a Twitter friend of mine, Tom the Iron Man, he, he's a great guy. I, I, I think Tom's great. He's really smart. He, he appreciates the industry. He's a streamer. He does good content. He's fun to watch. Smart guy. When I was talking about... Uh, days gone right because days gone was getting was getting poo-pooed by all these developers and one or all these um reviewers and one of the reviewers alana pierce i think from ign she had she had made a comment about how her expectations were you know that this game or this game was not as good as god of war spider-man or detroit become human or any other sony exclusives and i think to myself well was that your expectation you know and that was kind of a i retweeted her and just said that and it wasn't rude it wasn't anything trying to be mean and so we talked, you know, Tom, though, because he's he is a huge Xbox supporter. And, and so he had said something on the lines of, you know, well, you know, now finally all the stupid PlayStation fans will shut up about their exclusives being so good or something like that. It was something about how, like, PlayStation fans don't shut up about how awesome their exclusives are. So he was almost he was almost happy for the failure of a game. And Tom, if you're listening and, and you disagree that, please let me know. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here, but it's just part of that conversation we had. And so when, when he, he'd almost like, and, and I saw that from many diehard Xbox fans were almost like cheering in the streets that a Sony exclusive was only getting sixes and sevens out of 10. Like how, how messed up is that? Like how screwed up is that? That's wild that you you're celebrating the failure of a game that people worked on. Like, like that's messed up. Now I was very critical of crackdown three when it came out. Um, because I wanted it to be good. I didn't, I didn't knock it because I was like, ha Microsoft sucks. Here's another crappy game. I wanted it to be good. Why was I disappointed? Because I wanted it to be good. I'm not disappointed because you know, any other reason, except I just wanted it to be good. And so we have this weird partnership now so where do we go from here so you're like okay well first of all they're tech giants they do work together companies work together all the time um i'm pretty sure microsoft's still paying sony for every xbox they sell because of the blu-ray copyrights that sony holds 
So you've got Microsoft has basically licensed Blu-ray technology from Sony. So there's a partnership right there. Um, so Sony doing something similar and using the cloud, the Azure cloud services to try to better themselves a streaming service makes sense to me. And yes, if Microsoft has a streaming service and so does PlayStation, are they competing? Yes, but look at all streaming services now. They're basically not trying to carry the same stuff. They're all trying to have their own unique content that you have to subscribe to them for. So is Microsoft really competing with PlayStation? Not really. What they're competing at the level of is who can get the best original programming, which really Microsoft has more money, so they should. <laughs> I mean, that's how you win in this game is you buy a whole bunch of great TV show rights and you have better production values and you make it. So, but are they really that big of competitors? Not really. And I also think there is there is a, there is a level of these two companies, Microsoft and Sony, look at each other and say, you know what? We could come together and, and give an offer a real solution to uh, against Google Stadia project. But that's not why they came together. I mean, talks like this, and again, these these are still just talks. I think they have what they call like some sort of early. It's not, nothing signed. They can still walk away at any time. These could fall apart at any time. But it's like a, basically it's a written gentleman's agreement, gentlewoman's agreement, that the, they will explore future options together. That's literally all they've said. And so it's really easy for an article like this to pop up and start talking about, my God, the, the two are coming together to battle the real giants and Amazon and Google. I mean, maybe, but we don't know that. And, not, and, and, and unfortunately, like the possibilities are endless. But to act like this was done as some sort of, like they had to come together, like like together or die. You know, the enemy of the uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, sort of thing. It's kind of stupid, you know. Um, but you know, it, 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 you know, it's just this is all kind of stupid to be honest. Um, but I love the idea, and the possibilities are endless. Now, what do I think is going to happen? I think Sony. Obviously, we just heard uh, an article I did earlier on the podcast. We talked about Sony's PlayStation productions. Well, do you think they're going to put that stuff on Netflix? Probably not. They're probably going to put that on PlayStation Now. They might turn that into not just a game streaming service, but a movie and game stream. Could you imagine that? PlayStation Now being having TV shows you could watch. Wait, can you do that already? Can you do that? Maybe you can already do that. I don't know. Maybe I don't I don't use PlayStation Now. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a fan of PlayStation, but I don't use Now. But having TV shows, movies, and video games all in one streaming service sounds pretty rad. You know, I think it could be cool, but they need something to power it. Now, Sony's just going to look at the possibilities. There might be another company who we've never heard of with this other cloud um, solution that's better for Sony and their business model. And this may never come to anything, but I guess it's kind of fun to to stoke the fanboy fires, I guess. But for me, I just think it's cool that it's like finally stuff like this is hitting the mainstream where now someone could look at it and go, well, I thought PlayStation and Sony hated or PlayStation and Xbox hated each other. Like, well, no, they're companies. They don't, they don't have emotions. They're companies. The people that run the company sometimes have emotions, but their strongest emotion is wanting money. <laughs> so they will do what they can to protect their money. And so, I mean, there's people literally out there saying that this partnership means that the Microsoft's going to, basically not make a new console and that it's just gonna be the playstation 5 it's gonna be the microsoft playstation or something you know like <laughs> like it is no it's not happening sorry sorry not happening but that's okay it's fun to think about but let's just be realistic with it temper your expectations we may never we may never ever hear anything about this ever again and who knows 
maybe one day Microsoft could buy Sony. I don't know. You never know. Who knows? Um, but it is fun to think about, and it's still interesting, to say the least. All right. So there's one final story I want to talk about today. And it's actually not even really a story, so it doesn't really matter. But um, I, I talked about doing this like two weeks ago, and then I didn't, and then I forgot. And then last week, I think I got wrapped up in Avengers talk. Was that last week or two weeks ago? It doesn't matter. Uh, but I, I want to talk about something that, that's been coming up lately, and it's it's the uh, it's the issue of spoilers. So spoilers are annoying. I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, spoilers are obnoxious, and spoilers seemingly are inevitable. Um, I told the story. I won't tell the the whole story in case because this isn't a spoiler warning, but basically someone called our store the day after Avengers came out and spoiled something over the phone. They basically, David answered the phone and they said, Hey, do you have a certain PS2 game in stock? And he goes, sure. What game? And then instead of naming a game, they just rattled off a spoiler for Avengers. Ridiculous, ridiculous. So someone ruined it and Dave had not seen it yet. I had Dave had not. How disappointing that he had something ruined for him. So anyway, um, spoilers suck. And, and there's this weird kind of, it's funny and it's like a prank, bro, um, to, <laughs> to spoil things for people. It's not, it's not funny. Uh, to take joy away from somebody uh, purposely, I think is really, uh, really pretty shitty. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. Um, so, uh, and, and with Game of Thrones, you had people trying to spoil things. Like, like you go on Twitter the minute after it ends, and people aren't even saying, like, spoilers and putting spaces down. It, they're straight up just like, I can't believe this happened, this, this, and this. Ah! And you're like, could you have just, like... I mean, I'm just going through my timeline, dude. You know, like I, I'm not even trying to look for Game of Thrones stuff. I'm just, I just happen to see you and you spoiled it. So anyway, spoiling sucks, you know, and I'm the first one to say it. Uh, I don't like having things spoiled for me. I work in a store where people talk about nerdy stuff all the time. So if like Metal Gear Solid 4, I knew I had to beat that game ASAP because it would be ruined for me. Some idiot customer would come in and be like, oh, did you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, no, I didn't. Thanks, man. Sorry, I work full time, so I didn't get to play it until Sunday. But thank you for ruining it for me. That happens. Uh, happens with movies all the time. So I have to go see movies typically the night they come out or I get stuff spoiled. Okay, but whatever. It's the business. So, you know, I deal with it by just going to see stuff I don't even really care that much about <laughs> at midnight on a Thursday night when I have to work the next day. Because why not? <laughs> and so... Uh, however, on the other side of this coin, I'm also very sick and tired of people complaining about spoilers for stuff that's really old. Most recently, um, it came back to light with the Final Fantasy VII remake coming out. So if you don't know, Final Fantasy VII was like the greatest game ever made. <laughs> it's one of them. It's up there. Uh... Square Enix has remade every Final Fantasy game ever except that one. And now they finally have, they announced a couple years ago at E3 that they were going to, and maybe this year at E3 we're actually going to have a playable demo. We don't know. But they showed another trailer off for it. So there, it's still, work continues, which we kind of knew. And we also knew that work wouldn't go into heavy production until after Kingdom Hearts 3. <clears throat> These are things we knew. Excuse me. <clears throat> These are all things we knew. So it's being worked on. They revealed it, I think, a week ago. They showed, here's a new trailer at the PlayStation Direct. It was awesome. It looks good. I'm not a fan of the real-time battle system. would rather have my turn-based combat, but whatever. Greg, you can't have everything he wants. It's not all about me. Fine. 
However, people started then coming out saying, oh, thanks a lot for spoiling the, the or spoiling Final Fantasy VII for me. <laughs> like, wait a minute. The game's 22 years old. <laughs> what do you mean spoiled it for you? It's 22 years old. And so I, I feel two ways on this. One, there's a certain point where your expectation shouldn't be to not have something spoiled for you. Uh, I think it's fair to try to avoid spoilers. And I think it's fair to be like, you know what? I never read about the story of Final Fantasy VII because I wanted to play it for myself. But if someone's having a casual conversation and they're like, oh man, you know, my favorite part of Final Fantasy VII is when XXX spoiler happens. And then you go, ah, come on, man. You spoiled it, dude. Why did you spoil it, dad? I think it's fair that that person's allowed to talk about a game 22 years after it came out. I mean, it's just, come on. It's 22 years later. Now, on the flip side, the other side, uh, the same side of the argument, but but a different angle, perhaps, because we already flipped the coin once. Can't flip it again. Different angle I want to take here is, also, I don't understand why people have to spoil things. So if someone, especially with the remake coming out, and you say, hey, did you watch the Final Fantasy VII remake trailer? Be like, oh, it looks so awesome. You know, I never played the original. And so then the person goes, oh, so you don't know that XXX spoiler happens? Oh my God. And so I would look at that person and be like, are you an idiot? (laughs) Because you just spoiled something for me that I didn't ask to be spoiled. And it didn't come up in casual conversation. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't you talking to somebody else and I overheard. I literally told you I've never played it. And then that person spoils it for you. Now, I like being a storyteller. I love telling people stories. And it is hard for me sometimes to not spoil things because I want to share a story with somebody. And... In doing so, you know, I don't know. it. I I have to work really hard not to spoil things because I get a lot of joy from sharing things with people. So people just need to have a little more restraint and understand that not everybody wants to hear, their, hear your story. And not everybody wants to hear this. So long story short, that's how I feel about spoilers. If something's 22 years old, you can spoil it. Okay, but maybe not be a dickhead and not try to spoil it. It's like, is that so hard? <laughs> like, is it so hard to not... Your first instinct shouldn't be to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Your first instinct shouldn't be to say the spoiler. Um, it should be to say, oh, I love Final Fantasy VII. Did you ever play it? Oh, you never played it? Oh, it's very good. You'll love it when you get to play it. And I'll tell you what, once you play it, we'll talk about it. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> like, that's it. That's It's easy. I don't, I don't understand, like, why it's so difficult. It's not difficult at all. It's easy, in fact. <sighs> but it is what it is. So that's how I feel about spoilers. Don't have an expectation that stuff won't get spoiled for you 22 years later. But also, don't spoil things for people. Like, don't be a jerk. It's just that, like, like we both got to work a little harder to not not be jerks. So that's the podcast for today, everybody. Uh, and then we're going to talk about my game of the week. And then I'm going to hope that SoundCloud doesn't cut off the upload early. And, uh, yeah. And then we'll talk about it. So... I talked a little bit about some of the game pickups I had recently. And I wanted to... I wanted to talk about one of those, actually, even though I said I wouldn't talk about it. I want to talk about one of them. So I'm going to talk about Monster in My Pocket for the NES. If you've never played this, it's really fun. It's a side scroll. Did you ever... I mean, if it's based off of a toy series, actually. Uh, there were these little toys that came out called Monster in My Pocket. And they were like maybe two inches tall 
And, uh, yeah, they were just, like, like monsters. It was a cool phase in the 90s where, like, gross and, and, and scary stuff was cool and in. So you had monsters in my pocket. And there were these little toys you could buy. And so this basically is a classic side-stroller. It looks a lot like um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers because you're small, right? So some of the levels are, oh, you're in a kitchen table jumping over, like, an apple and here you're jumping on the faucet of a sink and you jump on it and it like turns the crank and water turns and like, um, stuff like that. It, uh, it's really fun. It is a two player game, which is really cool. There's, there's a two player mode, um, which this might be one of the first games Jay and I play together. We've been talking about doing a Sunday stream where her and I play games together and, uh, and then, um, we would upload that to YouTube as well. So you could watch that if you wanted to, if, if there's any interest in something like that. Um, but it's really fun. The box art is super cool. So the box art on Monsters in My Pocket is, um, it's a blue cover. Imagine like the back pocket of a pair of jeans and all the monsters are ripping through the back pocket. It is really, really cool. And I, I searched for this for quite some time in good condition. Um, and even this one's not perfect, but it's about as good as I think I'm going to get. And technically when this came out, it came with an actual size Monster My Pocket figure, a little pink monster. He did not come with this one. So I'm on the hunt for the pink monster that goes with this monster in my pocket <laughs> so that I can make my copy complete. So that is the game of the week. Play it. Monster in my pocket. Fun game. Uh, good platformer, side scroller, graphically really nice. Uh, I don't know when it came out. It had to be late. I'm thinking like 90, 91, if I had to guess. You know what? Let's look it up. Why not? We got time. What do you guys do? What, el- what else you guys got better to do? <laughs> Well, you guys are just here waiting for me. You got nothing better to do. Monster in my pocket. Um, not to be confused with Pocket Monsters, the Japanese name for Pokemon. Yadoi. Um, okay. Um, figures, board game, monsters. Video game. Video game was released in 1992 by Konami. It had the same essential concept as the comic book, although Hobgoblin and Gremlin initially the good monsters, but now appeared as villains to the extent that Gremlin was a boss. So 1992. It launched... January 92 in North America. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, 91, 92. Very cool. So, good game. It is kind of expensive. Um, <laughs> for this Minton box one, I want to say it went over 200 which is stupid because the game in the box is, is hard to find. But the loose card, I think, is 40 or 50 bucks. So, to have a 40 or $50 game be 200 300 for a mint copy is frustrating to say the least as a mint in box collector but it is the world i live in and obviously somebody else wanted it real bad uh not as bad as me of course because i was the victor so thank you everybody as always for listening and watching uh if you are listening to this on soundcloud you can subscribe on itunes just do a search for game talk radio if you're listening to it on itunes and you want to listen on soundcloud for some reason you can listen to that too also search for game talk radio look for the little uh 8-bit Mega Man sprite that's been converted into me wearing my game trade shirt um if you're watching this on youtube and you want to subscribe on itunes again game talk radio if you're listening to this on itunes or soundcloud though we would absolutely love a twitch well, a Twitch sub would be great, but a Twitch follow. And if you have Amazon Prime and you're not following anybody with your Prime sub, we would love to have it. Um, so that's uh, twitch.tv slash the drop rate. And, of course, subbing on YouTube is huge. We're about 40 – are we almost at 4,900, I think? We're very getting We're getting very close to uh, our 5,000, which is like – that's been my goal for quite some time. We're at 4,799, so we're 201 subs away from – 
5,000. Um, and I don't, 5,000 doesn't really mean much except a number to us, but it, it makes me very proud. Um, and so we're 201 away from that. We'll probably hit that. I would say by the end of middle of June, cause we're getting about two to 300 subs a month now, um, which is just awesome. And, uh, yeah. And, and so what, what a ride it's been. And then 5,000, my next goal after that is 10,000. Once you get to 10,000, that's when you start to get into abilities to talk to multi-channel networks. You really start to show up in searches and stuff like that. And it took us basically two years to get to 5,000. So it shouldn't, by the rate of growth, I would assume we'll be to 10,000 in, it shouldn't be another two years, <laughs> but at, you know, at 200 subscribers a month, that puts you at 2,400 subs a year, putting us at 5,000 more subs in two years. <laughs> so as, as we grow though, hopefully that starts to go up to 400 or 500 a month, but we'll see. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't really hit any home runs with any of my videos lately. It's been really disappointing and uh, I, I'd like to see one of my videos take off to like, you know, 20, 10, 20, 30,000 views again, but I'm just not, just haven't been hitting it. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't do it for that. I mean, I just, I do this weekly podcasting for you guys and then I cut up into videos and sometimes people like it and some people don't, you know, part of the problem is that people really love the drama. And I, while I like to talk about stories, I don't really like to talk about drama. I like to talk about positivity and I like to give my opinion on news stories and, you know, people would rather listen to, you know, famous YouTubers that, uh, are divorcing their wives. You know, <laughs> that's what people would rather listen to as by the 8,000 messages I got asking if I was going to do a video on it <laughs> to which I replied, no, I am not. Um, so, uh, again, thank you as always for listening and watching. Uh, we'll be doing this like we always do. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. I'll be here. You be there. We'll talk to you again later. Have a good day. Bye-bye.